Welcome to the TowerofColorGrading.com interview series, evangelizing the art, craft, and business of color correcting films and video. Show notes, a free weekly newsletter, and our online color grading mentoring and training products can be found at Tau or Dow of Color.com. We are proud to be sponsored for a second year by Flanders Scientific, developers of a terrific 24-inch 10-bit LCD. It's a color-critical reference monitor sold directly to and priced specifically for desktop colorists worldwide. And FSI's customer service? It's unrivaled. To get more information and find product reviews, visit TauOfColor.com slash FSI. If you decide to buy from them, be sure to click through from our website or newsletter. It won't cost you anything extra, and it lets FSI know they should continue to support the Tau of Color, and you can keep getting this great content for free. Welcome to part two of our interview with London-based filmmakers Ben Franklin and Anthony Melton. This week we're talking about their latest horror short film, Dead Man's Lake. No, they're not colorists. Instead, they brought me on board to color grade Dead Man's Lake and have courageously allowed us to document every step of the color grading process and then turn it into a training product. That's right, you will be able to grade the Ari Alexa Log C ProRes 444 camera originals. And you won't have to go it alone. You can sit with me as I take you through the process of working with LUTs, to dealing with revisions, creating the look for a 1980s slasher horror film, and dialing in the look using authentic film grain from Cinegrain. All of this in Resolve 9, and I'll have more details of this at the end of the podcast. Now, today's podcast was originally intended to be part of that training product, which I'm calling a grade-along. Instead, I've decided to give you a taste of what a typical client meeting sounds like when discussing an upcoming color grade as well as what to expect in the Tau of Colors Dead Man's Lake grade along. Let's pick up where we left off last week, where we start to discuss the look Ben and Anthony want to achieve for Dead Man's Lake. From there, we dive into visual effects, the edit, and the all-important deliverables. The first voice you'll hear after mine is director Ben Franklin's. Enjoy. So you shot with two different cameras, you shot log out of both of them. And so now let's talk a little bit about about the look of the film. I mean, what are you, you know, when you were when you were looking at the script, when you were thinking in pre-production, uh, what were some of the comments you guys had thought? What might have been some of your inspirations for the look and for the colors and things like that? Yeah, we um we talked quite a lot about um, how we wanted the film to look, and we did say you know we wanted to set it in the eighties or at least feel like it's somewhat you know kind of retro we didn't really want to be kitsch about it we didn't really want to hammer at home we didn't want it to be kind of like you were looking at you know you were looking at something which was parodying those films it, it we wanted to, i wanted it to feel authentic but again, you know, the budgetary restrictions mean that there's only so far that you can go with that. So we we knew that we had some limitations in trying to do that. So we thought if we at least captured, as I said, the spirit of, of those films, that would be the main thing for us. So we were watching all sorts of kind of 80s slasher films. I did a lot of research watching older, older kind of late 70s, 80s, low budget, high budget slasher films. And, you know, those those films, were, um, I think many of those were shot on like 16 mil. They they. They 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 look they look good. They all have um uh, that kind of similar look. They all look in many respects well. It's particularly the cheap ones. They look really kind of low-fi. They you know they're they're not they're not beautiful pieces of work. Though, a lot of those films, but they are 
you know good scary little pieces but the thing is we know that we obviously with the, with the work that we're producing we, we were going to be shooting on a, a higher quality cameras obviously than they would have had back then so having so unless we were able to shoot 16 mil which we knew we weren't going to be able to we thought well you know there'll be a certain amount of that that will have to be done in post we were conscious about trying to make things kind of pastely looking when it came to the costumes and set dressing and stuff like that again budgets meant there was only certain so far we could go with that but we were referencing those older films and we always thought well it would be great to kind of like capture capture the look of those films in the kind of like the, the hues that they would use and the they all kind of you know were quite murky and brown but they um they would you know that 16 mil look we thought well maybe that's something that we could potentially look at doing in post as well because that would be something which which we don't want to degrade the, the footage but you know it would at least add some authenticity to the to the time that the film was supposed to be set in which is kind of mid to early 80s yeah and that's interesting because when i watch down uh the short i get this distinct feeling that it's almost like you know the prequel to dead man it's like how dead man's lake got its name you know yeah, that type of yeah, thing yeah yeah it is. yeah exactly it is yeah it's like it's almost in some respects, you know, some of the films, maybe not necessarily this one, but you could look at something like Stitches and you could say, well, that's very much like a, an intro to a film, or it's a scene within a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sequence within a, within a film, and a lot of short films are treated like that. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the Dead Man's Lake thing, that yeah, you're right. It's it's almost like you're looking back on an event, and one of the things that we do intend to do is to put a little kind of cheeky little thing of getting a film saying, but you know, based on true events, you know, it took place in 1980, 87 or, or 1984 or something like that. So 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 we're gonna we're, we're gonna look at doing something like that. But yeah, it's very much a film which is harkening back to those times. Um, and but but you're realize... not. But from what I can hear, though, you're not looking for a kind of. Um... Uh, you know, spliced up kind of feel with you know, like it, like the like the like the film is old and kind of faded. You're not looking for that. You are looking for something a little more crisp. Just maybe that feels a little old. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that if you look at you know the Grindhouse films, those those kind of Tarantino and Rodriguez films and things that have kind of been inspired by those. Some of those, even though they kind of use that kind of the grain and the, the scratchy the kind of look. To some good effect, and you know, there's they, they even play with it at certain points. I'm not really sure that it's going to add much to our film. I felt that we would probably, I think that one of the reference points that I use, whether you've seen it or not, I'm not sure, is a film called House of the Devil, made by a director called Ty West, um, which was made about two or three years ago. It's a horror film, but for all intents and purposes, had you watched that film not knowing that it was shot two or three years ago you would think it was shot at the time it was set in which was like early 80s it, it's so it so perfectly captures that that period in every every way one of them is the look and they did shoot on those 16 mil cameras and that doesn't use the stretchy effect it just looks a little bit noisy you know it the the kind of the, the tones of the film um, the color the tones and again the color palettes and stuff they just feel like you're watching something from that period but they don't re but they don't really kind of slam it home you know they don't kind of say uh, make it feel like you're watching an old print they make it feel like you're watching the first print of the film which gotcha. um, yeah so yeah all right and i have not seen that film but i guarantee you i will be watching that film yeah you should uh, do in the, very, in the next week film. yeah yes yeah. you should yeah yeah and what i'll probably even do is pull a couple stills and send them to you guys as references and uh 
Because, you know, I always look yeah. for something that's a good starting point. Um, you know, I'm a big believer when I grade is I let I kind of let the footage speak to me. So I try not to impose too heavy unless you're going flashbacks and things like that. But I try not to impose too heavy a will on it. You know, the, the, the footage often lets you know where it wants to go. But it's yeah. good to have a starting point and something to shoot for. And yeah, um, yeah. and so if you've got a film like that 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 you like, and uh, that's what I'll use as our starting point, and uh, and we can continue our discussion, you know, on the specifics there. I'm glad to hear that you want to use grain. Uh, it was one of the things when I was watching it last night that I really felt like, yeah, we, I, I think this grain would work nicely with this. Yeah, yeah, and something that should feel a little period, but not so much. I mean, the 1980s ain't ancient history. You know, but it's uh, but, it you know, it's you're getting to the point where the music from that time is getting to be known as, you know, golden oldies. So yeah, so, yeah. you know, maybe the film should feel a little bit like a golden oldie. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. Into being a period, you know, it is a period piece now because of the fact that it comes with both, you know, it comes with style, it comes with zeitgeist, it comes with, you know, kind of obviously the, the music. And there is a very you know, distinct feeling about the 80s. But there's no reason that you have to shoot for all of the cliches. And I think kind of, as you discussed there earlier, Ben, I, I, certainly it's not grunge. It's not grungy. It's not it's not dirty. It's a it's a tight style that 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 sells the 80s. And I think kind of, yeah, I think the House of the Devil, is that right? Is that yeah. What it's called? Yeah. I think kind of that in, in a way, though, because they did shoot it on that type of stock, it's kind of they've used the technical principles to get there, I think, in pre-production and production whereas we're yeah. going to be doing a lot of it in the back end so it's going to be it's going to be difficult uh no not difficult but i think cha slightly challenging the way of, of getting exactly what we want out of it but i think i think we've all got a clear vision that it needs to sell a period but you know not not go to the extent of going going wow 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 it's the 80s look yeah. some nice trainers and and uh, you know, uh, yeah. pump the colours and put some neon on. You know, it's which, as you said, it's like not what we did in the uh, in the art direction or the uh, costume design. It was very much kind of just go to the eighties. What people would actually be wearing the eighties, not what we perceive as the eighties through the stereotype that's in the media and that kind of stuff. So. I'm trying to think of any other questions I have for you guys. Well, I was going to say, Patrick, I mean, we talked about 16 mil. I know that you've been a big um, advocate of um, cine grain. Was this something that you were going to be potentially looking at? Actually, as a matter of fact, yeah, I was thinking of using some of the cine grain stuff. Um, you know, they've got, they do have 16 mil grain. I'm not, you know, when it comes to, I guess it depends on how authentic you want it to be. Like, do we have to use 16 mil grain or maybe it's just sure. some punched up 35 mil grain? Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. You know, I guess... You know, to me, uh, it's such a great story. And one of the things I love about the story is how, the, how you turn it and make the character so sympathetic in the last 45 seconds. And, yeah. uh, and there's some real, you know, you manage to grab some emotion. And I don't want to do anything that gets in the way of that, you know. So no, I don't no, want exactly. the audience to see the grain. I just want them to look at it and say, wow, they... Yeah, no, I think that's right. And I think that's kind of going back to what we were saying about not slamming it in people's faces and kind of like, you know, making the image look terrible. Because if we still want the film to look good, we want people to look like we've shot, you know, on a on a um, on a as a as a low budget filmmaking team. We want it to have production values in it. Um, so yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's a case of it's a case of doing something 
which you know will give you that feel, but not not really kind of slamming at home too much. And I, and and again, you know, we, there are those sequences in the film, like the end sequence and the the flashback in the car and things like that, that you really just want to be watching and thinking about what's going on at the time, and not being distracted really by you know all of these silly effects and and you know overdone image um, you know image breakups and things that that don't actually really add anything to the story. Because ultimately. You know, as we've talked about, the, the most important thing is is the story that you're telling. And there's lots of things that we can all do to help tell that story. And there's lots of things that we can do to get in the way of telling that story. But the most important thing, obviously, all the way through has been that is that allows itself to play out. And that's been, obviously, an, an editing task for us. But, you know, the last thing we want to do is having kind of fe- felt like we've got that right would be then to kind of really dirty up the film so much that it becomes unwatchable. Yeah, no, no, no. We're not. Yeah, I won't. I won't take you guys there. And um, <laughs> and a bit about that last flashback scene. I mean, do we want to visually separate that out from from the rest of the film in terms of make it feel like a flashback? I mean, I, it looks like you. I don't know if that was in VFX or you did some sort of in camera effect. That shot of the lens baby, um, okay. which is which basically. So that's in in camera. Okay. Uh, so obviously that is separating out. Anyway, I mean, Ben, did you see that being pushed that much in the grade? And that like, I didn't really. I thought the lens baby kind of takes us there anyway. Yeah, I mean, what, 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 one thing that is within that sequence that I don't know whether you've looked at that yet, Anthony, is obviously we have got the the single shot not on the lens baby, which is the shot where we actually see the 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 outside of the car going going right. towards the, the, the edge of the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have so that shot. That shot hasn't got that applied. And basically, during that whole sequence, we shot, like Anthony said, on, on a lens baby, which is a, is a kind of a filter kind of lens that you put on the camera, which gives it that kind of very soft edge. You, what, basically, what you can do is once you've got lens baby on there, you can kind of point the lens of the camera in all different directions. So you could have the top corner of the shot in focus and everything else out of focus. It's quite a, a smart little thing. But what we did is we used it to kind of slightly vignette things and also to kind of give it a bit of a dreamy look without without kind of like going too far with it and i think that 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 scene already kind of feels quite natural and it's 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 quite it's supposed to be quite tender up to the point obviously where things suddenly get a bit more dramatic so i don't think we need to necessarily go too far with that but like through all of this i think that one thing that we've found with working with other people is that you know we want people to be able to to put their own stamp on things and to have their own input. And if you if you feel there's a certain way that you would like to execute those sequences, if you think there's something that you think could that you could do to 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 further, you know, increase the the quality of the film, then then by all means please feel free to do that. I mean I think if we sat here dictating to you what we wanted you to do with it, then you would perhaps that would perhaps be a much less interesting project. Um <laughs> but so I'd I'd be I'd be very curious to see what you what your thoughts were on any of that um yeah i have a couple so, thoughts yeah. I, you know I'll, I'll wait till i work with the footage before i decide um and i'll probably come up with a couple different approaches and maybe i'll present to you on that maybe you know what i what i like best and maybe an alternate because knowing that you did this in camera i'll let that inspire me i'll let that uh as i'm working with it to see if i want to enhance more of what lens baby is doing or or where where it might kind of make makes me feel like I want to take the image, um, but knowing that you did that in camera is is really interesting, and um, and I'll I'll try to use that to help me inspire and see what I might want to do to to separate it out. I don't think I because you know one of the approaches is well, do we make it an obvious flashback? 
and uh, where you completely change the look and feel of the image. And, and as I think about it and in talking to you guys, I don't think that's where we want to go. Uh, but I think, you know, I, you know, the dreamy quality, the, the feeling that you guys are inspiring into that scene is something that I think needs, you know, I, I should be helping and, and heightening that. And, um, you know, even that final yeah. tracking shot, you know, where you're not using the lens baby. I, I just love how the, the film ends and, and the turn it takes and emotionally what, it, you know, you think you're watching one kind of film and you turn out you're watching a completely different kind of film. Yeah, I mean, that was very, you know, that was part of the whole story where we said it's that kind of thing that I kept referring to as when you're, you, you know, you might be walking down a street, you might be on your own or with your family and you see someone approaching or at least it seems like they're approaching. Maybe they're even on the other side of the street. They might be drunk or they might be all over the place. And, and you kind of sometimes your perception of a certain situation means that you, um, you, you know, you, you consider that person a threat or or that you know your your instant reaction is to kind of protect yourself or your family or whoever. So the film is all about kind of perception, and one of the things that we tried to do was kind of uh, disorientate the film, which was about this kind of you know a zombie-like kind of like bloodied up ho horrible man who you know maybe he's a man of the woods. You know we've seen the beware signs, we've seen the POV stuff. We're building up to to what seems like a, you know a generic kind of killer-esque character, but as we see the story play out, actually, he's just a victim of, of an unfortunate chain of events. And um, he's just happened to land upon the wrong group of people at the wrong point in time. And that, that build-up events has meant that their perception, as is the audience's perception, is that he's actually a threat to them when actually he's, he's someone who's just uh, uh, in the wrong place at the wrong time and um, looking for a bit of assistance. Um, yeah, okay, so that, that's really interesting in knowing. Good, So because I can use that uh, to help me kind of decide where to take that final scene and, and how to treat it. Um, yeah. yeah, cool. All right, I think, I, I think I've covered everything I wanted to ask you guys. Is there anything you wanted? Yeah, I've got, um, I've got a few questions about the deliverables that you yes. want uh, to progress forward. So we've edited in, in Premiere CS6. Uh, so I think I saw an email bouncing around that you're happy to receive a CS6 file. Correct. Okay, so then in terms of the edit, um, I'm going to send you the whole the whole build, so you'll have one um, one file that will then have all of the links to all the relevant footage that we're using at the moment. Obviously, you have all of the LT versions of the footage, correct? And, and then obviously and the, and the HQ as well. And yeah, I have right. the HQ. Yep. Right. Cool. And that that's, that makes things easier. And then um, what I'll do is I'll send over to you um, the pickups, um, but I'm only going to send over the ones that we've used rather than rather than like the whole bunch because we don't need it and we, we're locked to what we want to use. So they're going to come across as I've rendered those out at um, 422HQ again to work with, work with the edit. And then so obviously you'll receive the file. There will be a few, when you open it up, there will be probably a stack of offline links because there'll be some stuff that you won't have that is just pointless sending because it would just be like promo stuff or, uh, or bits and bobs that have been there to just have tests on VFX. And I've cleared out as much of that as I can, but just be warned if there are if there is a freak out when you open it, just just offline them, and then it should all spring to life. Okay. So the way the edit is structured at the moment, there's two sequences: one which is the version six of the locked edit, and that has got labelled uh, timelines that are for obviously the video is not labelled, but all the other stuff is labelled in, in terms of audio. At the moment, the temp audio is all uh, disabled, but the uh, for the dialogue. But for the actual uh, SFX tracks, they're all there. 
and then the music is in that one sequence. Now then there's another sequence, which is the version seven, and that sequence has got the whole lot nested on a timeline, and then that's where I did the ADR edit. So you've got like two sequences, so you'll be working primarily in the first one. If yeah, you here's, like, a, here's oh. a thing on the uh, sequences, because I, I won't be working with the nest, you know, because what's going to happen yeah. is I'll create an XML from the version six of your locked edit, and, yeah. um, and Resolve doesn't understand the notion that a shot can be a timeline. Right. Okay. So cool. we need to make sure there are no nests in there. Um, if you want to create a version of the timeline, a version six, that's just for me, you can even strip out all the audio from that, that timeline and just, and kind of clean up the timeline. I don't, uh, I think your timeline, I opened up the previous version and I think your timeline was pretty clean, but if you build up, some editors like to build up in the tracks, you just pull all those down to the base track as much as you can. Um, yeah. so that I'm not looking at alternate takes or, you know, uh, footage that doesn't make the actual picture. Uh, if you can make sure there are no nests in there and, um, and then, so, that, I mean, go ahead. sorry, uh, Patrick, you, you just, you want the visuals, right? That's all we, all we need. Cause that's, you've got the reference film. Exactly. So that's fine. I mean, I've, I've pretty much done that anyway. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll go through and I'll just I'll, I'll strip absolutely everything out that you won't need, uh, yep. and I'll send that one back up uh, later on. That sounds uh, great. Do we have any speed ups in this? Are there any um, time time based right. effects? Uh, there is one, but it's within a uh, VFX shot, so that will come back as a as a press shot. So okay, uh, which leads yeah. nicely onto obviously the bit that you don't have, uh, and we don't have at the moment is the, is the final VFX work. Yeah. or any of the VFX work at the moment, to be honest. Um, so then, then you'll be working without that. That's fine. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll grade the temp shots to match, and and then as the VFX shots come in, I'll just, you know, we'll we'll relink to those, and uh, and then I'll grade them as I need to. Um, so one thing, obviously, in terms of the edit itself, um, like I said, the, we had the bad weather. The thing that most worried me about the footage that we've got everything to me looks looks fine the only the only little sequence where i think the bad weather shines through the most is probably the the opening character the opening dialogue um post post dead man's lake title we have the bit where they're sat where they've got their tents camped up and they have the little conversation about the barbecue and, and then lewis runs in who's who, who's the nick character and he finds another firework and runs back into the woods. So there's about three, uh, there's three or four different angles, I think, in that in that little sequence, and it's uh, that probably looks the most dreary. So that's probably for me, that's my most worrying um, little sequence of shots. Everything else, I think, we've managed to capture that in in good enough light. But that when when I watch back the edit, that's kind of the stuff that looks the most murkiest, I think. So what I think I'll do is, uh, and I, I've been thinking about how I'm going to approach this grade, is I'll probably grade the end of the film first, you know, before the, 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 the sequence just before the flashback. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll probably grade that first. And then once we yeah. dial in that look, I'll match everything else to, uh, okay. to that. Well, yeah, that's right. Okay. And the, um, the flashback as well, obviously, we, for the, for the purposes of the edit and to kind of demonstrate what we kind of thought would do, would would uh, separate that those little bits out so whenever we see the the wild man's pov you know it's kind of yeah. got that slightly filtered look obviously we've we've put something in there to give an indication of how we kind of thought that might look feel free to play with that and to to to, to work that up in a way that 
um, feels right to you and to obviously um, better better kind of execute those shots. I mean, it's it, yeah. it's that it, they work well already in the way that, that they are. But I think that you know you could probably have a bit of a play and and see what you can um, you can do with those. Um, like everything in that, anything that we've worked on or graded or anything tested with it's just us kind of like spending five minutes slapping on a few filters yep. and stuff so don't take any of it as gospel it's just um it's just our reference to kind of make things look a little bit more greener and or or less in the case of the pov so yeah and in the pov so what i'm seeing in the uh in the in the locked picture right now is not coming from vfx but something you guys did you were kind of experimenting with that's what i'm seeing um yeah is, so is it 2.4 i think you're watching i think i think 2.6 is it yeah two, oh, two okay, point six. yeah so 2.6 when it when you cut to the pov stuff which is that kind of footage which looks a little bit kind of uh washed out and yes. almost black and white yeah yes. so 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 they and it didn't have that heavy blur that you had on you had this like big white blowout going on in an earlier yeah. version of the cut, and you, I noticed that you cut that almost all out. You kept we it went, kind of yeah. very contrasty, very kind of black and white, and well, we, we, maybe we went some and sort of shot all of that actually, because we were a bit worried that that firstly that we hadn't we hadn't really executed that POV stuff all well. I don't think we kind of rushed it, so we went and back and shot that all that stuff in there now. The new POV stuff, that's actually all brand new because we actually got Lewis to come back as the character last week. And uh, that's why now in some of the POV shots, you actually see him yeah. um, being almost almost as if he's being watched or trailed. But the one thing that slightly concerned us, I think, um, in applying any effects to it and applying a blur or, or not applying a blur is that we didn't want it to make make it look like Predator Vision. We didn't want it to look like gotcha. a, you know 80s Predator film. Um, but uh, I think uh, I think our thinking was is that he his view is probably slightly distorted. His views yeah, yeah. isn't isn't you know. We don't know what what's happened through the car accident. Like he's had a physical that... defect. He physically, like you're almost like you're you're looking through his eyes, and you're looking through the eyes of a man who uh, has been through some physical trauma, and that's yeah, kind of exactly, what you want to exactly. see. Right. He's yeah, just you know, head, head first through a car window and yeah. bashed into the concrete. So he's right. going to have, yeah. and he's going to be obviously in shock, and you know, and so yeah, not not to the point of having given him cataracts or anything, but you know, it needs <laughs> to, yeah, de definitely needs to. Uh, but there is an element of suspension of disbelief with it, I think, as well. So, so as there as there is with lots of it. I mean, someone said to us the other day, I don't think if you... It was one of the people actually working on the film was doing the VFX. They said, I don't think if you fell on a barbecue, you'd burn your face that quickly. And, I, and we kind of yeah. said, well, I don't think if you hit a tree in the way that you, you would do, you wouldn't, you'd fly through the window of a car. And you don't think that if someone ran at you like that with a sharp stick, you'd actually impale them in that way. But everything uses an element of suspension of disbelief because yeah. it, it, you know, it is very much harkening back to those 80s slasher films where you know people did used to get impaled on things and heads sliced off in one foul swoop and stuff so you know they're, 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 it's it's all playing with that so so obviously feel free to with those pov things to add a bit of style to them because i don't really think the audience is going to be questioning necessarily but we just didn't want it to go too far with it where you're kind of seeing like heat vision or anything like that because that's really not what 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 it is that he, um that he would be seeing so Okay, and uh, I'll do that, and I might even, those sequences, I might even take those shots into Magic Bullet Looks and just, because that allows me to do a lot of quick little different experiments very yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, and then, yeah. And then maybe I'll send off some stills, and then we can kind of dial it in, and then I can re-execute that within Resolve or, or finish yeah, it up in yeah. Magic Bullet Looks, depending on what we do. 
Yeah, yeah, great. And um, in terms of the VFX that we're working on, basically the plan is is every shot where we see we see the barbecue, uh, whether it's a wide, medium, or close up, um, we're adding more smoke to that and pro probably some other bits and pieces just to kind of make that feel like it's warmer. When he strikes the barbecue with his face, you'll hopefully you'll see you know more smoke and sparks and things like that as well. To and his you know his face will kind of hopefully sizzle as well when you see the water poured on so those are to come still a lot of the stuff we're doing in vfx wise is is you know touching up the shots to kind of like um bring in the elements that we couldn't quite get on on the day but there's no there's nothing right you, you didn't you didn't you didn't take his head and throw it onto a red hot barbecue so. <laughs> no no so there's there's nothing no, there's, <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't do it there's not there's nothing significant that um that you should be expecting in the vfx which which should um which should affect what what you're able to do in your kind of test well, grade i don't it, i don't think so. not in the test grade and i think what will end up happening is as i get the vfx shots i just have to make sure that i maintain or heighten or you know make sure that 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 stuff doesn't get lost yeah <laughs> yeah uh one of the and the, in the final shot as well where he he walks he, he, he uh, the wild man character pulls himself off the floor, walks to the car. We're going to add a bit. I'm going to be adding a bit of smoke and fire and stuff to the car oh, as well. Oh, cool. To the, okay. So, right, um, so, the, so that's all. That's all to come. But um, that, like I said, hopefully shouldn't affect what you're able to do now too much. So. Okay. And um, anything else you wanted to ask? Oh yeah, final deliverables. So, what am I delivering back to you? Do you want just a flat movie? Do you want? I mean, I've got your drive because what I could do is always take the final renders I do drop them on the drive and yeah. and I can see if I can get it to actually you know reopen and premiere I don't know that I have the chops to do that but yeah. you know I can certainly give you the XML as well as the raw footage I mean I think if I think for speed the best thing would be and I don't know what the file size is going to be um from um resolve but um I think we would probably just like, you know, uh, a, a full self-contained um, edit, uh, you know, the full clip is, is one export if, if, if possible, because then we can just drop that onto our audio mix on this end and then just export as one whole thing. Because, I mean, obviously you could put it back on the drive and there's no reason that you, you know, you can't do that anyway. But obviously if you, if you, if you were to do that and then we're then to rely on the post to getting us um, the film, then we don't know how long we might be waiting. And yeah, I think I know, for us, yeah. um, you know, um, once the grade is, is, is done on your end and everything should should also be done on our end, then um, it's just a case of, of uh, getting the film online at that point then. So I guess for us, if we, I don't know what, like I said, what the file size is going to be. We, we Anthony and I have got sizable drop boxes. So yeah. I, I don't mind receiving a large file, but... Um, so that's what I'll it, do. And I'll give you yeah. 1080p, ProRes, HQ... Yes, and uh, so we'll give you, you know, as as large and pristine a file as I can. That makes sense. Yes. And then you know, we'll eventually follow up with everything on a drive. Yeah, that would cool. be fantastic. Yes, yeah, sounds good to me. Anything else you guys wanted to talk about? One of the things within all that is that at some point uh, we want to like uh, cut a trailer for the film. Um, yes. We haven't really done a, a decent in you know, decent footage based trailer. We did a little something something for Sucker Blood, but uh, this time around we want to do a, a Actually, this is probably going to be more pastiche than anything, a trailer that sells the idea. So obviously with that is that we'd like that to look as, as, as close to the final product as possible. But I appreciate, obviously, we'll want to release that probably much earlier than the, the grave will be finished. So 
if you do send across those, um, you know, the sort of, if you can send across any tests pre, you know, beforehand, and then I can do the absolute uttermost best to try and make it look similar to, to what you're doing. And then cool. fundamentally, what, what will be the best uh, outcome of that is that we do one looks all right, and then we see yours and it looks absolutely amazing. So there's more bang for the buck, you know. So, yeah. That, uh, sounds, that no, sounds like a plan. No, no right. pressure, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of cropping, you'll see that we've, the footage isn't cropped itself, but we've applied a uh, 2.35 by 1 crop to the image. And obviously we'd like to, to reproduce that for the final piece. So whether you do it in, in Resolve or we do it on our end, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, what, it's, it's either or for us. So. Okay. Yeah, I'll um, you know, I'll apply that crop yeah. on on your final deliverable. Yeah, and I I tend to grade with the crop anyway because it it changes the feel of the film. Oh, absolutely, and, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so that's what I'll do. I'll uh, Great, but okay. when I give you the renders, those renders won't have the crop applied. So I, that way, if you need to do any final reframing, um, if you know post the color grade, you can still do that. Yeah, no problem. Excellent. Lovely, Great. lovely, lovely. Yeah. Okay, that's fantastic then. That's been, it's been lovely to talk to you, Patrick. Yeah, um, it's been great talking uh, with both of you, Anthony and Ben. And um, and I'm looking forward to this. Uh, this is going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then obviously we'll um, we'll, we'll touch upon the, um, the stuff with you using, obviously, for the, the towel color. But as I said, I, we're more than happy to, to, to help you out with that and to get involved with that because that's obviously... It's a great website and it's a great thing you're you're doing there. And um, you know, I think we would be um, we, we would be uh, very proud to be associated um, with you in whatever that's, that's respect. That's fantastic. So. I mean, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. It's really tough to find filmmakers who are willing to share just the raw elements. You know, that they, they get so concerned that people see the final finished elements and and you know, yeah. and, and learning color grading to and to become a colorist, you got you got a grade. And, yeah, and, you, and you have to yeah. have real projects to work on. And and one of the things I do with the short films that I provide is I don't want you to grade just to whatever you want to. I want you to grade to the director's vision because that's what we do as professionals. Right. Yeah, and yeah, so people yeah. come to me. They have an idea like you. Hopefully they'll give me some license to experiment and try stuff. But at the same time, there's an overall look and feel and intention that started in pre-production all the way up until the moment it hits my desk. And, yeah. and I think it's really important to give people the opportunity to practice their craft on a real job, with real footage, with real concerns. Yeah. So, you know, I appreciate that you guys are on board with that because it's... Um, yeah. It's tough That's to great. find filmmakers who are willing to do that. Um, we, we're, we're more than happy to, to just do whatever it is you need us to do. And if there's any other elements that you, you don't have um, for the edit, if, if you need, say... The, I'm assuming you might want the mix track. If you want the final audio mix, we can obviously chuck that your way. If you want any of the separate elements and stuff that you don't have, that might be something editorial that we have, but you might find useful to use for training purposes, um, then you know, again, we're more than happy to chuck that stuff your way. Just let us know what it is you need, and we'll um, we can obviously Dropbox that or email it across, depending on whatever it is. So that's fantastic. I appreciate it, guys. I'm looking forward uh, to this collaboration here. Yes, yes, us too. All right. So listen, it's a Saturday. You guys enjoy the rest of your day or evening, I guess it is coming up. Uh, for you. It's, yeah, it's, it's 20 to 5 here. It's still looking uh, quite warm outside. So I think I might be eating my tea out, uh, outside <laughs> to, to, to tonight. <laughs> Fantastic. And, um, and you'll be, you know, you'll get emails from me uh, throughout the week. Lovely. Looking, very much looking forward to it. 
Fantastic. It's been a pleasure, Patrick. You betcha. Yeah. See you later. Bye. 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 <laughs> Maybe I need to interview someone who can teach me how to end a conference call. And there you have it. After that call, I spent a little time developing a good LUT that gave me the starting point I wanted on this log C footage. During the grade, I walked into a few dead ends, made some mistakes, tried out a look that was ultimately rejected, and developed a few more looks that Ben and Anthony loved. And you can join me for the ride. Plus, you can learn DaVinci Resolve 9 while trying your hand at grading the camera originals, which can be used on demo reels and in private client demos. Visit training.towofcolor.com. Depending on when you're listening to this, you can sign up for our Grade Along announcement list, where you'll probably get a discount code or bonus content. And if we've already launched, you'll be able to sign up for this self-paced training. This podcast has been brought to you by TowofColor.com. I encourage you to leave comments about this interview on its blog posting. A very special thanks goes to our awesome sponsor, Flanders Scientific. It was edited by audio editor and colorist Tom Parrish, who you can find at TomParrish.com. My name is Patrick Inhofer. Thanks for your time.